In an Octal FM first, we've doubled the number of people on the show today. We're joined by Amali de Alwis, the CEO of an organization called Code First Girls, and Lizzie Cullen Davison, a volunteer for the organization. They've joined us to talk about alternative approaches to building a career in technology and software development. Hello and welcome to another episode of Oxal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we've we've got a really interesting episode because where we've previously had, you know, a guest or it's just the two of us, um, in this case we're trying to juggle um, four people in total on the episode. Um, so we've got a couple of guests on. We've got um, Amali and we've got Lizzie and we're going to talk a little bit about an organization called Code First Girls, uh, which is an organization that um, is seeking to get more women into into tech and into software development um, and sort of get more get more women coding, I guess. Amali, um, is the, you're the CEO, is that right, of, of Code First Girls? That is indeed, yeah. And then we've also got Lizzie, who is um, a, a developer at the company that I work for, but also um, has has is a Code First Girls instructor, and also you did a Code First Girls course as well, right? Yeah, that's right. Just to sort of give some background as to as to where, how this has come about, we previously done a couple of episodes. Um, if you're if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard the episodes where we talked about human computer interaction and uh, user experience and stuff like that with Elizabeth Chester's. Uh, and L is a is also an instructor of Code First Girls, and so there's sort of a bit of a, a connection here and a bit of a theme going through these episodes. They're a little bit of a departure for us from us discussing. Um, video games a lot of, which is a lot of the time um, but uh, but nonetheless it's still so it, you know it's something that we're very interested in and passionate about and and uh, so it's sort of it's a great um, it's a great sort of episode topic I guess yeah they always come out really well and I think having two really unique guests on the show uh, will really add an extra level of interest as yeah. well uh, and I think the conversations in general will be uh, really interesting so welcome to you both thank you <laughs> Thank you. So, um, Amali, maybe worth you starting, um, you know, perhaps sort of talking a little bit about about yourself and also um, how you got involved with Code First Girls and sort of what your what your role is as CEO of Code First Girls. Sure. So very, very happy to. So um, I guess talking about Code First Girls just generally. So like you said, we focus on getting women tech um, that really centers around how uh, we teach people. So how do we actually give people the skills as uh, so we run free coding courses um, around the UK? Those can be short courses as well as longer courses. We also do events, so personal professional development events, and we also work with companies. So we actually help them to understand um, what they can do to actually increase diversity in their talent processes. I guess talking about my personal journey, so I was probably one of those kids who um, I always say I had a bit of a left brain, right brain argument. So I, I loved my creative things. I, I loved sort of, you know, painting and, and making things and, and, you know, sewing and all of these kind of things. But I also really loved my gadgets. So I had Meccano sets and electronic kits. And it, I guess it really came down to just, you know, how do you build things? You know, how do you make things and all of these amazing tools that you can use to do that? I guess that led me to um, my studies. So I first studied uh, engineering. So I did manufacturing mm-hmm. engineering. And then I actually moved on to do a degree in shoe design. 
Um, oh, and wow. it's sort of <laughs> one of those things where people sort of look at it and go, my gosh, you know, that's a complete change. Um, but I, I guess deeply ironically, I realized fairly soon into my second set of studies that I'd really done the same degree twice. Um, because whether you're manufacturing aeroplane propellers or whether you're manufacturing shoes, <laughs> you actually go through pretty much the same process of uh, sort of, you know, idea generation, R&D, prototyping, manufacturing, point of sale. So so that kind of, uh, you know, my, my radical move to become a sort of a a Ponzi art student backfired a little bit on that. But what it, what it did teach me was that what I was really interested in, I guess, across all of those was thinking about um, products and services and how do we make things better? How do we improve things? You know, what, what, what do people want from things when they're buying um, those kinds of products or services, which led me to work in research. So I worked as a, as a quant researcher for a marketing and brand strategy company. Um, so helping companies to kind of understand, look, what, what's out there? You know, who's the competition? What do people, what do customers want? And helping them to kind of make their businesses better and their products and services better. That led me on to working at uh, PwC. Um, so I joined their research team and then joined their thought leadership team. And this was really around sort of, again, helping them to understand what's the, the, the sort of the landscape around lots of really, really interesting topics. So a lot of stuff around technology. So whether it was looking at the future of mobile broadband or how do you do, um, you know, a tax collection app in Nigeria or w whatever it was looking at. And all of these things around when mobile was picking up. So how do you do payment strategy? How do you look at, uh, you know, supporting small businesses through mobile technologies, um, which I guess, you know, continued my love of tech and gadgets. And when the opportunity came to head up Code for Girls, it was a really great opportunity to obviously, you know, run a company, help advise, you know, a, a company that I worked for internally, um, how that business could grow and what you could do to kind of uh, get the best out of that. Um, but also do so in an industry which I was really passionate about in technology and also help people to grow with that. So actually supporting other people in achieving in those really exciting careers, which I found exciting myself. Um, so I guess that's a little bit about my journey into um, Code for Skulls. That is a, that's a, a, quite a long journey and quite a sort of meandering, meandering journey. <laughs> but you can tell why the passion's there as well. Like that's why you got involved in the first place and you're trying to kind of get people to the same sort of position that you're in, which is great. I, I think so. And it, it, it's almost, you know, helping people to find a home in tech, which I struggled to find when I was going through my own career. Um, and I think this kind of recognition that, you know, as a young girl growing up, you know, I was really excited about technology. It was something that really inspired me. And I found it interesting to kind of learn about things and build things and look at, you know, gadgets and how do, you know, how do we build things with electronic uh, sets and, and those types of things. So offering that to other people in a, in a, in a way that they could access that easily, um, that's really exciting for me. Mm, mm, yeah, makes sense. And so Lizzie as well, I think it's worth you also giving a little bit of a kind of similar, <laughs> not a competition on story, um, but um, it would be interesting to also hear, you know, from your side, from the other side where, um, you know, you've, you've approached technology and you've gone through, you know, something like Code First Girls. And so what, what sort of drove you to do that? And what, um, what were you, yeah, just like, what's, what's the background there? Yeah, so um, I guess I got into tech quite late. I started off uh, starting a career in mathematics and philosophy um, from the University of Leeds. And I was finishing my degree. I was in my final semester. I didn't really know what I was going to do after that. And I heard about this course that was happening at the university, a Code First Girls um, evening class. 
And it sounded fun. It wasn't something I'd really considered before. Tech wasn't something that I'd particularly been interested in before. I was really sort of focused in pure maths and, and philosophical thinking and, <laughs> and that kind of uh, abstract uh, stuff rather than more like uh, applied engineering and, and things like that. But I heard about it. It sounded fun. So I went along and um, I just got quite obsessed with it, really. I I was at university, so I had access to a library. I'd go there and get the books out on JavaScript and sort of work on a little project that I was building during the class. And when it finished, I decided that that was something I really wanted to pursue. And so after graduating, I started working part-time. And in my spare time, I um, continued learning to code on my own um, with the help of some of the resources that I'd found during the course. And that was sort of my... That was sort of how I got into tech, really. And then so after a while, I started um, taking on some freelance work, sort of building websites for people, WordPress themes, that kind of stuff, and eventually decided that the the way forwards really was for me to join a team so that I could learn more. And that's how I found Pixie Labs, which is where I work now with David. And so I moved to London for, for, the, for this job uh, about a year ago now. Because I'd been out of the country, I'd not had the opportunity to, but I really wanted, I was really wanted to give back to Code First Girls. And so when I moved back to London, I applied to be a volunteer instructor. So I've been doing that for about a year now. I've taught on three different courses now. Um, and it's been really fun. It's been, it's been really rewarding to, to be able to be a part of that again and to, to help other people on their journey into tech. And um, from that story, I can't help but think that that was almost like a paid sponsorship for Code because <laughs> that's that's a pretty shining example of what you've been trying to accomplish there. Like that that's surely got to be the perfect marketing pitch, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, absolutely. And and you know you can hear it from me, but it's much more compelling when you hear it from people who've kind of gone through. And I sort of joke um, amongst our, our team and sort of say that when you join Code First Girls, it's like joining a friendly cult, and we kind of send all these amazing people out into the world to do things and become our advocates. So yeah, absolutely, you know, hugely, hugely, um, you know, um, supportive of people going through. And um, Lizzie, your your story is amazing. So um, you know, very very proud that you've flown the flag for for code first girls i also think what's really interesting is um the fact that something like code first girls gave you lizzie the the sort of interest enough to pursue a lot of it on your own afterwards as well like it was like a it was definitely a part of that journey um and the fact that it it just sort of inspired you to then go on and sort of learn by yourself and do some freelance work and stuff like that like even just from you know something that you know is is a sort of volunteer-led courses it's not a traditional kind of route into into tech or into software development or anything like that but yet nonetheless was enough for you to sort of you know you actually went away and then just learned some more on your own and then you could take freelance work to to build stuff you know that's let alone getting employed out of the back of a, of a course or something like that you know to, to be able to have the sort of confidence and the starting point to go away and you know, do stuff on your own as well, I think is a, is a, is also a great testimonial to, to Code First Girls as well. So you touched on it briefly uh, while you were discussing your background there with that kind of the, the courses that you did, like in the evening courses. Is that all that is available or are there various types of courses? Like how, how do you go about completing them essentially? 
Hmm. So the, the, the access point is absolutely our evening courses. So we do, you know, short courses. They usually last over eight weeks, one evening a week, two hours a week. Um, and we do those on a, you know, a few different subjects. So we do an intro to H2, uh, to web development, which we cover HTML, CSS, jQuery, Bootstrap, those types of things. We also do a level two in uh, web app development. So in Python or in Ruby, we have done actually recently uh, more extensive programs as well. So we launched a really exciting program with BT. Um, called the BT Further Program, where we're actually offering a four-month intensive full-time coding program for free. Um, and it's going to take uh, 30 women of all different ages who want to effectively uh, pursue a career in, in software development, take them through an intensive program, a boot camp type format. Um, and at the end of it, what BT have said to us is if we have 30 successful candidates who come through the program, they will offer 30 guaranteed jobs. So absolutely wow. you know, a really, really exciting way to tie one end to the other um, and kind of fill that gap, which you know we've been conscious that we haven't been able to kind of do up to date. But I, I do think it's worth mentioning the the point you meant you know talking about before how even something like a short course can really inspire people to understand what this is about and pursue opportunities and that's the one thing I would say is code first girls you know we do teach people but I think the the thing which we we give people hopefully which is even more impactful is just get people really excited about technology mm. and working in this industry um, because you know, even if we could teach everyone that they would need to know today, it would pretty much be out of date tomorrow. You know, the industry moves so mm. quickly. What is more important is that we get people excited and help them to understand how to learn about these subjects, which they don't have a background in. And in, you know, uh, Lizzie's example, perfect example there of if you can give people some of those initial tools, it's amazing what they can go on and do after. Um, and, you know, Code for Skills is continuing to try and provide more and more of those tools, but also recognizing that, you know, you need to have a passion for something and understand what those kind of um, benefits are about doing these types of things. As an instructor, I found it's um, one of the things that's most helpful to students is to teach them what what resources are available online and how to go around finding answers to things um, themselves, because that's something that people don't really realise that they actually have access to with or without a course. Um, if you've got access to the internet, then you have access to all of these resources. Um, and obviously you've got Google and you can find answers to, your, to, to any problems that you've got with your code if you're trying to build something. You know, there's Stack Overflow. There's all sorts of different things that, like, places that you can go and look for answers. And people just don't realise that. And actually, being able to to just sit people down in a room and tell them and show them and and help them find the answers for themselves that's that's really valuable. And I think probably, Lizzie, you can talk to this better than anyone. Um, you know, being a software developer is just about hitting problems constantly and figuring <laughs> yes, things definitely. out. So it's kind of, it is absolutely that point around saying, even for our instructors, one of the things we say is you're not expected to know everything. You know, you're not oracles of all knowledge. It is very common for our students to ask a question of an instructor where the instructor will turn around and say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. But you know what, let's ask Lizzie or let's go and check on Google or let's check on Stack Overflow. So uh, as you said, Lizzie, that point around just getting people used to how do you go and solve problems and find answers that's a really critical part of it yeah and i think that's a really good point and and it's an it's an interesting sort of takeaway um if you're if you're listening and thinking about this and you know there are a bunch of sort of courses and organizations you know people like code first girls and code bar um and then sort of like uh, the larger kind of boot camps, which are kind of similar to what you were talking about, actually, with your partnership with BT, you know, people like Makers Academy and General Assembly and stuff like that. But there are loads of situations where 
you know, if you're interested in getting involved in in technology or software development, you may not necessarily, even with all of these options, and also the, you know, in inverted commas, traditional approach of doing a, a degree in computer science or something like that, there's still a, potentially a situation where it can be difficult to find one of those things that that fits in with your your life or whatever it or whatever state you're at in your career or something like that. And so I think that it's really interesting to hear that one of one of the larger parts of Code First Girls' role is to teach people about you know how to what resources are available, right, and what um, you know and how to sort of go about using those resources. It's something that I've experienced as well. I I volunteer um, as a as a coach at a at Girls Code MK, which is in Milton Keynes, near where I live, um, and I've noticed that that's um, a recurring theme. Is like you know people just needing to needing some pointers in the right direction of where to even start to like get a feel for you know is this something that I want to do or not, or is this something that I'm that I'm interested in or that I'm you know uh, that I feel like I'm capable of doing. Absolutely, and and it's almost just to to let them know that it's okay to not know things. Yeah, um, and that's kind of just part of it. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that really impresses me, because although I did a little bit of research before the show about kind of the organization and what there was on offer, until I just heard you guys talking about it, I really didn't realize how important the course was from a mindset point of view more than a skill set point of view. I kind of just saw it as a, this is how you learn how to do code, which is not something I know terribly much about. This is kind of like outside my field. But that really impressed me more than almost anything else is that is that gateway opening you know it's that you can think about these type of things in a different way and the fact that like this gave lizzie the opportunity to go into a completely separate career path than she'd even ever considered that that's wonderful yeah it it, it opens hopefully a lot of doors um and doors that in some cases you might have thought that you had closed already um, and it, it's it's a sort of an anecdote that we sort of use as far as our community, which is say that we we almost see ourselves as a bit of a life raft for people who think that they've missed the boat. Mm. You know, so the the women who join our programs have often uh, sort of you know whether it's uh, you know through through active decision making or just through thinking I, I don't know what this is about, therefore I'm not going to pursue it. Almost thought that they closed those doors already, that they couldn't access these types of careers. Um, so to be able to offer that opportunity to kind of reopen that door and say, actually, you know what, there are lots of opportunities here. You know, development is one side, actually, but there are loads of other sides around technology as well. Um, and just feel a sense of um, belonging, a sense of ownership, and that actually you you can do these types of things um, is it, it, a really powerful thing. And I don't really want to get sort of like too in depth on it, but do you do you often find that you have maybe some problems outside of the the mindset point of view? Is there any other kind of restrictions that people who come to Covos Girls often say, I really struggle trying to get into this field because of this reason and this is sort of why I'm here? The, the biggest reason people come to us, and when, when I sort of joined Code First Girls, I went and had lots of conversations um, with various different people, students, instructors, alumni, partners, and, and basically said, look, why, why, why do you need us? Why, why do you find Code First Girls helpful? And I think one of the biggest points was just around, we didn't really know that this existed as far as, you know, an industry for us. We didn't know that these are the types of jobs, these are the types of people, these are the types of opportunity. So I, I would say it's almost, um, you know, bringing a bit of humanity to some of these industries, mm. which 
you might hear as buzzwords, but actually you don't really understand what that's about. So if I go to, you know, my dad and sort of say, okay, tell me about semantic analysis or, you know, what, how do I write, um, you know, uh, machine learning algorithms? He'd probably just look at me <laughs> blankly, you know, it's a completely different generation. And a lot of these types of careers are, you know, pretty new as far as, you know, they're only conversations that we've started having in the last 10, 15 years. So that's, I think, one of the other parts, which is for those women who are coming through education where some of these careers and industries weren't talked about at all 15 years ago, let alone talked about now, to actually allow them to see, okay, so this is what, you know, machine learning is, or this is what data science is about, or this is what, you know, software development in, in Golang is, you know, and why is that language different to a different one, or, or whatever that is. Um, so, you know, bringing that to life, I think, is a really important part as well. I think it's really great, because you just touched on another thing that I hadn't really considered, is that this is for people of all ages and different backgrounds as well. Like, this isn't necessarily for people who are just sort of starting out a career. This is maybe for someone who's maybe a little older and looking to maybe change a career or has an interest in something that they've experienced whilst in their previous work, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think in a lot of cases for the people who are switchers, so for example, with the BT Further program, actually, the applications were open to women of all ages. Um, so whilst we focus our community courses on, I, I guess, people who are late teens, early 20s or early in their careers, I, you know, my, my personal belief is everyone should learn this. This is, mm. this is about fundamentally understanding the foundations of the world as we operate today and feeling comfortable that you can participate in that world without feeling out of your depth. Um, and, it, it, you know, you don't have to be a developer. Goodness knows, you know, if, if the whole world were developers, that might be a slightly scary place. So oh I my might God. love developers. <laughs> um, but, but it is about saying, you know, the way that we work, the way that we live our lives, the way that we communicate, the way that we, you know, support our friendships, our families, our relationships – technology pretty much has a role in everything you know there's no mm. such thing as a non-tech industry these days and you can either be someone who just rides the benefits and, and sees the waves and kind of has to be taken along uh, that journey as things change or you're someone who can plug into that and have a say about that and feel that you have the the, the vocabulary the the tools the language to be able to put your thoughts forward and say you know what actually that matters to me and I care about how that works or how that changes or what isn't isn't being done um, so that's a really important part um, of, of just helping everyone regardless of age um, kind of just be, feel a little bit more comfortable around how the world is changing. Mm. That's a really good point as well, actually, when you're saying about like, there is no such thing really as a non-tech industry, because that was something that we also talked about when we were talking about human computer interaction with mm. L and sort of about how, you know, it's just, it's just everything and everywhere all the time. And so I guess it's, it's interesting because I guess I had never really thought about Code First Girls from that specifically from that point of view, from a sort of like, I, I see it from the point of view of, 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 you know, someone leading a team of developers. I see it as a, you know, as a, as an organization that's training, de that's training developers or bringing people into, into the world of software development. But actually it sounds like, you know, there's sort of a, there's kind of a broader purpose there about sort of like outreach um, and, and teaching people about, about the, you know, tech as a whole and not just necessarily software development, but also like you say, giving people the confidence and a little bit of understanding around the field. I guess at the moment through through pr primarily through codes but it that sort of leads me on to my a question I had which is sort of like what is the what are the kind of future goals and future thoughts around the courses and the services that code first girls offers 
So the, the big thing for us recently has been, I guess, scaling. So like any other business, but, you know, for us, it's not just around the commercial work that we do, but it's also around, obviously, the, all the community courses. So um, in December, we launched our 2020 campaign, um, which is to teach 20,000 uh, women how to code for free by the end of 2020. Um, and this really came about because we started looking at the data, the information around how many, you know, what are the opportunities, how many people do we have going into the funnel. Um, and the reality is that women aren't really part of these conversations at the moment, not in the, the, the numbers that they should be. So, you know, if we look at, let's say, UCAS data, and, uh, you know, 2017, they had, I think it was 27,400 odd people who did a computer science degree. Of those, 3,775 were women. That's mm -hmm. it. So if we're, if we're saying that these are the fastest growing parts of our industry, and I think Tech, Tech Nation UK, their report found that the average tech and digital job pays something like 40% more than the national average. It's the fastest growing sector in the UK. It's one of the industries which is taking the most amount of investment. And we're saying that 50% of the population aren't really represented mm, in yeah. those discussions. So, so this is a, a really big part of, I guess, where we're hoping to grow, which is just you know, we, we think we do some really amazing things. We, we want to start um, doing that on an even bigger scale. And it's slightly bonkers, but when, when we're looking at our growth, this autumn we'll be doing 90 courses across the UK. It'll be something like 2,500 young women who are taught to code for free each semester. So by the end of this year, Code First Girls will be teaching on average about five five 5,500 women how to code for free each year, which is more than go through the British higher education system, <laughs> which as a small not-for-profit is a, is a slightly you know, ridiculous kind of statement to make, but those are the kind of numbers that we're. I talking mean, that's about. that's fantastic as much as it is almost a bit disappointing at the same time, um, which is kind of yeah, kind of sad yeah. to say. Yeah, I wish I wish it was different, but you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there are so many different ways that people can access these careers. We're filling a gap which we think isn't really met by the existing systems, but we work very closely. So uh, we obviously run a lot of our courses out of universities. We were actually recently brought on board as the inclusivity partner for the new Institute for Coding, which has been run by government. So it, it's not about saying that this is the only way to do things, mm. but it is about saying, you know, how can all of us who are helping people apparently figure out how to navigate the world of technology and how to figure out how technology plays a role in society, how do we actually help them get those skills regardless of what avenues that they go mm. before anyone kind of starts with co-first girls is there anything that maybe that they need to do ahead of time is there any kind of prior knowledge that you'd recommend them kind of uh, gaining before they start their first course as far as the courses themselves, they're targeted at a complete beginners. So we have people who, uh, you know, come from very academic backgrounds, who are doing PhDs. Um, we have people who are being processed as refugees. There is no restriction mm. as far as, um, you know, what, what you need to know before you join. What we do look for is people who just want to build things. Mm. So the kinds of questions that we ask are around, so what would you do if you had these skills? Have you had any ideas about things you would build already? Or, you know, what are your favorite tech companies and, and why do you find them exciting? <laughs> So we just want people to almost connect with the topic rather than necessarily having any previous coding skills um, themselves. Uh, we do send them bits and pieces so they can do little bits of reading and preparation, but it's more around just 
helping them to get into the mindset um, and have a little bit of sort of self-reflection time to sort of think about, like, why is it that, you know, I want to do this? What is the value that I think I will get out of this? Um, so that hopefully when they join the course, they can actually be focusing on that and saying, okay, yes, this was what I wanted to get out. And yes, I'm, I'm getting that. And this is what I need to do to get that as well. And so, and Lizzie, from your side, like thinking back, I know it's a while ago now, but thinking back to when you were looking at co-first girls and you were thinking about, you know, like you, you'd, you'd seen it on offer and stuff like that. Like what was from your side, what, what, did you do any sort of preparation or what was your thinking? Because I know you said you hadn't really considered, you know, tech really particularly as an, as an option. So what, what was sort of your thought process then? I think at the time I, um, I had some friends who were quite interested in tech. And so I reached out to them and spoke to them a little bit about um, what kinds of things, like why they were interested in it, um, just as like a sort of way to prepare myself, I guess, for, for applying for the course and then taking it, um, just to sort of get a bit of yeah, into the start thinking more about um, about the world of tech and like find out what why people were excited about it, and um, I found that really helpful. I think I also probably looked at the resources that I was sent. Um, I think some of the like Code Academy and other sort of very basic beginners tut- like online tutorials and stuff, just to sort of like have a little go and see if it was something that I was really interested in. Yeah, obviously that that kind of stuff like little brain teasers almost that that really uh, appealed to me at the time yeah yeah I was going to say actually like at what point did you kind of at what point on that journey did you start to feel like oh like this is something for me like this is something I'm really interested in was it sort of when you were before the course during the course like afterwards like was there sort of a particular time when you kind of realized I guess it was a bit of a mix I think it's probably during the course I was sort of reading I was reading a bunch of resources about tech. I think I was reading some some essays by uh, what's his name, Paul Paul Graham, Paul Graham yeah. yeah, which somebody had lent me uh, a book of. Once I'd started the course, and I sort of had like an idea of a project that I wanted to build, um, and I I started just d- doing that to death, like actually just neglecting my my own like studies and like studying <laughs> finals, and, and instead of doing that, I was just trying to wire up this little JavaScript app. <laughs> Like, it was so fun and it was just um yeah it was it was just something that I've, I've really felt that I really wanted to keep doing basically and and whilst I you know obviously can't officially um, advocate for people the one thing I would say which which you mentioned there Lizzie is um so all of our courses are 100% coursework based so there are no exams and this is something which, you know, talking about when is it that things stick, I, I think the, the bit which makes the biggest difference when I see sort of our, our members is when they've built something and they've got something to show for it and that sense of achievement of, you know, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I didn't know how any of this worked and then suddenly I've got something which I can send to someone else and they can see how I've done something and actually realizing that it is more than just you know, writing logic groups. It's about the creativity of the idea. It's about how do you put it all together. It's about, you know, taking satisfaction from the problem solving. Um, so all of those kind of come into it. So that that real, um, I guess, sort of the, the the tangible experience of what is it like to build something um, using these types of skills. Yeah, agreed. And I think also that's that's something that um, technology and, and code specifically is is quite not unique in, but it. it can give you that sort of rewarding feeling of building something so much right like because you are you're writing code and and at the end of it you've you've made something or you've done something you know and i think that 
I've heard that from a lot of people that the the motivation and the excitement about about tech or about code specific, you know, being a developer specifically is that reward factor of doing some work and actually having something at the end to show for it. You know, you've built a thing, you can show people it, you can talk to people about it, you know. Mm. And I think that giving people a gateway into that is it then kind of becomes like self-fulfilling. Like once you've given, once you've given someone or you've shown someone that they can do that, um, yeah. it then becomes like it, you don't, you don't take much more convincing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So to round everything off then. So once kind of your, your students have gone through the course, what's sort of next for them? Where would you recommend they head after that? Well, there are a few different things that I guess people go on to do. So some of them who choose to become software developers, they've obviously got certain avenues. The, the ones which we commonly find that people take if they do want to go down that route is obviously you can go and do something like a switching masters. So there are universities like UCL, Bath, Bristol, um, who do master's programs in computer science for people who specifically don't have a computer science undergrad. Mm. They do ask that you have done some little bits of coding before. So often our graduates find that they've got uh, actually quite a good sort of um, package as far as what they can kind of take and say, look, I've, I've got some experience, I've done some some building, um, here's a demonstration of that. Um, outside of, I guess, the more traditional uh, educational process, you have um, lots of really great apprenticeship programs, um, fellowship programs. So I know, uh, you know, talking to our partners and some of the people who host our courses, uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch um, have recently launched their own apprenticeship program around technology. The Guardian Fellowship is a great program. Sparta Global do some great programs. So lots of organizations where they will take people, again, with you know a little bit of experience who don't have a traditional academic background in computer science and help them to actually specialize and, and learn a little bit more. For Code for Skills, obviously, we have our own program now with the BT program, mm. uh, which offers a, a, a very similar type of thing as far as a sort of a three-month, four-month intensive learning program. Uh, we have had uh, a number of alumni who've also gone on to programs like Makers Academy um, or General Assembly and those types of um, boot camp programs as well. Um, and again, they're, they're really great just to help them take the next step once they've done, I guess, you know, initial courses, they've understood a little bit, they've understood that this is something that they are interested in. Um, and that they can go on to learn there as well. Um, and then the, the last option, I guess, is probably looking at self-learn. So it's it's not something which is, you know, something for everybody. I, I'm useless at that kind of, you know, self-motivated <laughs> learning on my own. But some people can do it. Some people can do it. The, the, the bit which I think a lot of people in those self-learn um, sort of categories choose to do is not only self-learn, but also do things like Code Club and those types of things. So uh, where they actually have other people who are going along that journey. And, and I think that's what I would say about all of the programs. The, the thing to just make sure is that you don't feel isolated with your learning. It's very l easy to sort of lose perspective around, you know, what should or shouldn't you be doing? And, and just sometimes being able to ask someone a question um, is really, really helpful. Um, so, you know, doing whatever the methodology you do, do so in, a, in an environment where you're surrounding yourself with people who can kind of support you with that. Now, outside of obviously the software development, the, the other side is some people just don't go on to become devs at all. Um, so we have a lot of people who go on to, you know, do other things. So whether it's, uh, you know, digital strategists or uh, they might go on to become a data scientist or something like that. Or would they just stay within other careers? So even things like being a doctor or a lawyer, but where you can actually take some of those learnings and apply them into your current careers. Um, and I, I think for, for all individuals, regardless of whether they go down, I guess, a traditional tech route or not, 
the knowledge is helpful and it adds context um, to whatever it is that they do. Um, so, you know, lots of different ways that you can, I, I guess, approach things afterwards. Mm. Lizzie, do you have anything to add as sort of like someone who's gone through it, you know, any kind of advice? Um, I know obviously we're sort of, we're talking, it's like our listeners are at all three stages. Like they're, they're not on the course, they're on the course and now they've done the course. <laughs> like what, do you have any sort of advice to add or any things that people could think about, you know, if they're thinking about what they're what their plan is or what their journey looks like yeah so I guess I guess um when I'm on on a course instructing and I have people ask me you know how how can I sort of stay current how can I keep keep this up I, I guess I always sort of try and point them to to meetups um and things like code bar like sort of free free coding workshops that, that are available um, because that's something that people don't often don't realise that that exists um, and it's just a nice way to sort of go and like meet other people who might be in similar situations and just keep up that sort of sense of a belonging to a community um, which is really helpful. Other than that, I guess it really depends on on the people like on the on the person's on what they really want to achieve after the course um, because some people as you say don't don't want to continue in in a career in tech at all and they they really enjoy the course or sometimes they don't sometimes they just struggle but, and, and that's fine um, but for the people who who are sort of interested in continuing I do try and sort of encourage um, staying in touch with um, their fellow students and um, just actually trying to just trying to stick around in the community and get help from there because it's it's a lot harder to do on your own and if you're not sure where to start then it's always easier when you've got someone to ask in fact um one of my previous students has been in touch with me actually a couple of my previous students have since been in touch with me sort of asking if we can meet for a coffee or or come in for our um mentoring office hours um just to come and chat about what they can do next or if they've got a a project that they're still working on after the course if they want help with that I think that's a good point. And you've both said the same thing in that continuing to talk to people, continuing to be in the community, like going to events, going to other workshops, going to stuff. I think that I think that is really important. And it's something you mentioned, Amali, about sort of perspective and, you know, knowing what, you know, what you should know, what mm. you shouldn't know. Or like, you know, I think that what I've seen, partic- particularly I'm thinking again about developers specifically, is is this sort of feeling of, there's so much to learn and I think a lot of people have this initial feeling that they need to learn all of it before they can consider themselves a proper developer or or they can consider that they can do it as a career like it's like oh I need to know so much and and I need to know about x and y and z Um, so I'm just going to go away and, and try and like learn some more that can lead down this path where you just never escape that sort of feeling that you need to learn more because as as you said you know quite early on it can be a challenge to stay relevant, right? Like technology is always changing and, and, and advancing. And so you will just forever be playing catch up if you just stick by yourself, trying to learn and trying to do stuff with the idea in your mind that eventually you'll feel like you're a proper developer because the reality is, is that you might not. And <laughs> because you just like, you'll just always feel like there's more to learn because there is always more to learn and, it, and the, the rabbit hole goes as deep as you let it go. So I think talking to people and getting involved in stuff and sort of helps ground you and realize that, oh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm capable of these things um, and I, and I can, and I can do it. And, and you're absolutely right there. And it's almost the, um, 
the point where you you come to terms with the fact that you will never know everything and <laughs> yeah. it, it's 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 not like you know becoming a doctor where once you're qualified you're qualified and then you're a doctor you know right, it, it's exactly. a, it's a just a linear progression from one one time to another without really sort of any demarcation of you know whether you are a developer or not other than are you literally working as a developer or not? Yeah. And that, that's really the only definition <laughs> and of even then, I whether know, or not you're a developer. I know plenty of developers who are working as developers and don't think they're developers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, but sometimes I think when you are spending time with other people and you can kind of see them in the same types of situations, that at least helps you to feel like it's not just me, you know, that that's just part of the industry, that's part of the role, um, and, and kind of, you know, feel a little bit less... Um, insecure about the fact that yeah. you don't have this you know someone doesn't come and stick a flag on your desk and go okay you're a developer now <laughs> yeah um, <but laughs> exactly yeah. that's a great takeaway for it as well that we've gone into this thinking it's kind of like a course for people to kind of you know learn some really interesting and unique skills and we've left with a you join it and it it almost goes back to what you said of it being a bit of a kind of cult for girls uh, which i love so <laughs> having that community for people is is such a wonderful end result for other, an otherwise really great program Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I think uh, that sort of covers everything and is, and is all we've got time for. So I just want to say thank you, um, Amali, for, for joining us. And also thank you, Lizzie, as well, for, for your input as well. Lovely to join. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> If you listening have any sort of further questions or want to find out more about Code First Girls, what's the best way that people can sort of find out more? As many things these days, check out our website. So www.codefirstgirls.org.uk. Uh, we're pretty active on all the, the sort of social channels as well, but definitely um, check out the website and that has all information about our courses, the programs, the way that companies can get involved. Um, and if you're a dev yourself, actually, we're always looking for volunteer instructors. So uh, we have people like Lizzie uh, all over the UK, probably three, 400 uh, people who very kindly help us to deliver our courses. 50-50 um, male, female, they come from all different types of backgrounds. Um, but I would say hopefully it's a it's a really lovely community to be part of. Um, and you, you know, personally, you get, a I think, a, a real sense of achievement from helping others to kind of find that excitement as well. So, yeah, do check it out. Absolutely. Great. Um, and if you have any questions or any feedback or thoughts for, for us or, you know, anything like that, then, you know, you can contact the podcast in the usual ways. So you can email us show at octal.fm. Uh, you can come find us on Twitter at octal.fm at octal fm uh, what's the what's the is the twitter handle for code first girls just at code first girls i think it is indeed yeah uh, that's nice and easy and yeah otherwise uh this has been a really great um great episode it's been a really good chat it's been really interesting mm, it's been really fun so yeah thank you again lizzie thank you amali um and i've been gelada and i've been saffron and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon just realize i've still got slack open i really don't want any like slack notifications right now that would be really bad where's D? there we go great okay we've had some we've had some horrendous things there was one episode once where we recorded the entire episode and at the very end i was like um so i didn't hit record <laughs> <laughs> oh no 
that was the that was the worst it was because so, we were like okay well i guess we better uh, schedule another recording session and do that all again 